MSW Media. Prevail. C'est cette Geneva programme pro politique. L'histoire, la sécurité nationale. Crimen organisado, dinero sucio. Global corruption. Tabrotpo, la démocratie. Et ahora, ATP. Et maintenant, con ustedes, su anfitrión, I'm Greg Oliard. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show from the Tony Michaels podcast. Tony Michaels is here. And remember, Prevail is now being sponsored by America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Prevail and use code 50Prevail for 50% off plus 15% off for the next two months. So if you're not familiar with Tony, he has a podcast slash live YouTube show that he does every weekday from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock Eastern called The Tony Michaels Podcast. And he rants and he raves uh, in the manner that I do, um, you know, in some of the eight-minute segments on the 5-8 and sometimes here in the opener. And he does it for, you know, 10 hours a week, which is really impressive. And, and he's really good at it. Tony Michaels is called the Rush Limbaugh of the left, which at first blush seems like an insult, but it's really not. It's really uh, a compliment. And as he points out in the interview, and this is something I hadn't really considered before, our side, I would say the right side, but right meaning correct, not right meaning right-leaning, uh, the right side, which is the left side, doesn't have these kind of voices. We just don't. Left-wing media tends to be a little more brainy, a little less emotional, and as Tony will describe it, lots of data. Lots of, well, this is a chart that shows this and stuff like that. Not a lot of, um, you know, emotion-driven stuff that connects with people. And, you know, that's what people want to hear, really, you know? I think that people want to feel like their voices matter, that their righteous anger is being voiced somewhere uh, in the media ecosphere by someone, right? And uh, it's something Tony does really, really effectively. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it with with Biden, you know, because we're in a position now where Biden is, you know, he's done a, a lot of amazing things. His list of accomplishments is very long. I've spoken many times about, you know, I think he's the best president of my lifetime, which isn't saying that much, really. But I, I think that he is. I don't think it's much of a debate. And yet there's these these narratives about him that are out there that are, oh, he's corrupt. He's too old. He's not that great. Everything's a disaster. Blah, 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 that sound like, you know, Republican talking points. And I thought about Biden and, you know, when they roll this stuff out, if they have like the Inflation Act or whatever, and they roll this stuff out, they'll show you charts and they'll show you graphs and they'll bring you data. And that stuff is fucking boring. Nobody cares about that kind of thing so much, right? It doesn't connect with people. When is Biden at his most likable? When is the when are the moments when you look at Joe Biden and you think, fuck yeah, that's my guy? It's when he goes all dark Brandon, right? It's when he does what their side does, but for us. And I think that's what everybody wants, and that's what's been missing. So I think Tony is really onto something. And 
you know, I went on his show also this week. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, really, you know, if you're around at lunchtime on the East Coast or in the morning on the West Coast there, you can put this thing on. He's not showing you charts and graphs that you have to fixate your your eyeballs on all the time. You, you can watch. It's nice to watch. But you just have it on and listen. And, uh, you know, it's good stuff. It really is. It gets right into your veins. And he makes a lot of sense. And he... He helps you like kind of like get through the arguments that you're going to have with people on the other side, especially as we head into, you know, the election season. And I think that's super important. So, yeah, really happy that he's on the show. This was a really fun discussion. And, uh, you know, check his show out, the Tony Michaels podcast. It's it's good. If you just go to thetonymichaels.com, you can check him out. The T-H-E, not T-H-E-E. It's not it's not Megan the Stallion. OK, I went on. His show on, I think, on Tuesday, and we talked a little bit about Kevin McCarthy. And I missed a couple points because, you know, Kevin McCarthy is trying to impeach Biden. That's his big thing that he wants to do. He can't do it. He doesn't have the votes or the reason to do it because Biden hasn't done anything wrong. But Kevin McCarthy has no agency. He is bought and sold and controlled by, you know, Trump slash Marjorie Taylor Greene and that faction of people in the House, which is ridiculous. He's such a disgusting feckless as Tony that Tony likes that word feckless he's such a coward and so, so obviously a tool of these other people that it's it's really you know pulp fiction gimp doesn't begin to cover it I went back and I looked about it I wrote a thing about him back when he took the job in January and this piece was called Pennywise McCarthy second in line I wrote it January 10th 2023 and this is stuff that Kevin McCarthy has done he disseminated false claims about the 2020 election being stolen. I mean, he did that. Remember, there was that lawsuit filed by the state attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, who's right now being impeached by fellow Republicans in Texas because he's so fucking corrupt. That asshole traitor brought this bogus lawsuit that sought to overturn the result of the election. Kevin McCarthy signed his name to that happily. He's cool with it. Weeks after the Capitol was besieged, not long after, Kevin McCarthy makes the pilgrimage to Mar-a-Lago to kiss Trump's ring. Remember the picture of him in front of that big, stupid, golden door? Just disgusting, disgusting. Like the Helsinki thing in reverse, right? It, or, or a picture of Jared with MBS or whatever. Just disgusting. And after he was elected speaker, he made a point to thank Trump. You can go look at the video. It's disgusting. But back in 2015, if you recall, uh, we have this on tape. Kevin McCarthy was well aware in 2015 that Trump was a Putin plant. He's the one that joked to Paul Ryan, oh, I think there's only two people that Putin pays, you know, Rohrabacher and Trump. So he knew what was going on. You know, he knew. He knew way back when. And I've long said that the way to spot the traders is to see how they change. The real traders are the ones who do the 180. You know, Lindsey Graham is a perfect example. Lindsey Graham was vehemently anti-Trump, hated him, couldn't stand him. Lots of funny quotes about how awful Trump was. Then he goes golfing with him, and then suddenly he's all in on Trump. Rand Paul, same thing. You know, lots of colorful quotes. Trump is awful. I believe it was Rand Paul who compared him to Gollum, you know, in Lord of the Rings. And then suddenly Rand Paul is on Team Trump to the point where he's in Moscow delivering a letter to Putin from Trump. I don't know. You know, when you have people like this, it just, they're traitors. I, I don't know how else to say it. Trump 
tried to overthrow the government, in addition to all the other crimes he's committed, because there's lots and lots of crimes going back decades, including lots of rapes, by the way. In addition to all those other crimes, he tried to overthrow the government. He commanded uh, his minions to overthrow the government. That's why he is uh, indicted in Georgia, okay? So he did these things, and he's a bad guy. It's not, this isn't just some political thing like, Greg doesn't like Trump because he's a Republican. I don't like Trump because he's a criminal, and he killed a million people in this country because of the negligent COVID response when he cared more about re-election and money than saving American lives. And I don't like him because he's a fucking criminal. He's a racist, and he's a rapist, and he's a I mean, I don't know how else to say it. So for these guys to stand with him and defend him, even now, four indictments in, I mean, I don't know what else, what more evidence we need to see that these people are bad. So, you know, Kevin McCarthy can do whatever he wants. He's the speaker, at least for now. Matt Gates is making, I don't even understand what that is all about. That That weird performative bullshit. I mean, he's just as bad, but... You know, maybe the speakerhood is going to be uh, short-lived. I don't know. But uh, impeaching a president for not doing anything wrong just because you feel like it. You feel like changing the narrative and saying, so people in an election year can say, well, Biden got impeached too. It's not just Trump that got impeached, which is what the purpose of this is. It's not to get rid of Biden. He didn't do anything wrong. They all know this. It's because the fucking media will just be like, well, I don't know. You know, there is some like they do. They can't just say. McCarthy is a liar. McCarthy is a traitor. McCarthy is a fraud. McCarthy is a joke. You can't say it. So they have to do what they do because that's their job as members of the media. It, it falls to people like me and people like uh, Tony Michaels to push back on this narrative. And that's what we're going to do, damn it. We're going to push back on the narrative. Uh, David Ignatius at Washington Post, how dare you? Alas, Kamala Harris. I mean... Biden is running. Kamala is going to be the vice president. She's a fucking good vice president. And there is this concerted attack by the right on her. They're trying to hit Biden. They're trying to hit Harris. They think Harris is more hittable than Biden. And that's why they focus on her. So if you find yourself thinking, you know, I don't really like her. I don't like how she laughs. I don't like how she talks. There's something about her I don't like. You're just being manipulated by them. Okay. Look at what she's been doing, read about where she's gone and what she's been doing and how much influence she has on the progressive nature of the Biden presidency and make your decision that way. VP is a shit job. It's hard to establish yourself. It's hard to carve out a place for yourself and seem powerful when you're inherently the number two. She's doing a great job. She's not leaving. Biden is not going to stop running for president. He's the incumbent. It's such a vast advantage to be the incumbent. So. You know, we've said this many times. Do I wish he was younger? Of course I wish he was younger, but he's not. The reality of American politics is that it's a two-party system. It's one or the other. And this is the guy we got, you know? And he's doing a fucking great job. He's 80. I would rather have an 80-year-old who's fucking awesome than a 50-year-old who sucks, right? You know? Ted Cruz is my age. What, you want him? Come on. These are bullshit narratives. The media is bored. They're just trying to stir up shit because they know it gets clicks and people want to read about it. That's all that it is. So read about something else. There's lots of shit to read about. <laughs> or, you know, tune into Tony's show. Tony told me also in the, in the interview, he barely ever mentions Biden. He just attacks, which is also kind of great. You know, 
Um, he says that we vote against things. So we're going to vote against Trump again. And we're going to vote against Trump in great numbers. And he's going to get his ass kicked again. And that's how it's going to go. So, all right. I channeled a little Tony Michaels in this intro and went a little longer than I was expecting. But that's okay. Um, what I've learned is that it's okay to do that. But enough of my prattle. We'll be right back with Tony Michaels. I know what you're thinking about Live Golf, the new golf tour funded by the Saudi royal family. Sure, it's sweet that so many golf gods like me are getting paid insane amounts of money to play golf, but what about the moms? What about the kids? Hi, I'm Phil Mickelson, and I'm here to tell you about the latest fairway fun from MBS and Friends. Live Golf Kingdom. Live Golf Kingdom is great for the whole family. At Live Golf Kingdom, our driving ranges are world-class. Even the ladies can tee it up and take a few whacks, although the gals have to use the irons because the Saudis don't like it when women drive. At Live Golf Kingdom, we have the best mini golf courses on the planet. Navigate your ball through the dismembered Jamal Khashoggi body parts on the third hole, and you get a free Live Golf bone saw. If you hit the top of the scale model of the World Trade Center with the special 9-11 ball, the replica twin towers collapse into a pile of rubble, and you win a Live Golf Center box cutter. And get this, if you get a hole-in-one on the 18th hole, you literally strike oil. The kids love it. Between the golf, the sword dancing, and the orb fondling, Live Golf Kingdom really does have it all. So come on down to Live Golf Kingdom, or else the crown prince will have you beheaded. <laughs> Just kidding. He only does that to civil rights activists, dissident journalists, and gays. And now, back to the show. Tony Michaels. Welcome to Prevail. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. This is it's it's Sunday on the it's the 10th of September. Um, and we're gonna run this episode on Friday, which usually I don't do. Usually I have more space in between when it's recorded and when it comes out, which means that we can talk about like really topical things on this episode, which will be which yeah, be totally sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Now you have your own podcast called the, the Tony Michaels Podcast. It's great. name. I like it. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's good. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you do a great job with promoting that you're all over the place. I, I, you know, on the YouTube, on the, on the, whatever Twitter's called these days, I, I I've seen you all over. And I was actually, before we turn record on, I asked when you started and you said oh, it was the day of the second impeachment, uh, for Trump. And I thought, I, I felt like you'd been doing this a lot longer. Does it seem a lot longer to you? How well, I've been interested in politics since I was probably 14 years old. So it feels like a lot longer that I've uh, been paying attention to politics and even yelling and screaming about politics, just maybe not into the internet, you know? Okay. Um, so <laughs> if, if that makes sense. So I, I've been doing a, a show per se, just not officially for for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, my, my very first show, the Tony Michaels podcast, came about and was uh, it was on the very first uh, house vote of the the second impeachment and um it led me from tiktok over the pandemic to trump not conceding after the election after he had obviously lost um to start doing tiktoks and political tiktoks and it just kind of snowballed from there through that that december and early january that people wanted longer content and because i kind of have a knack for it to improv long form com commentary, then uh, it just kind of evolved into the show. And it started off on Wednesdays as a 
as a 30 an hour long show and then it soon uh worked its way to being two hours a day every single weekday so which is that's that's a lot of content that's a lot of space to fill i don't think people realize how hard it is to do that just to right. you know i do i do the one podcast and i do my my friday evening show with my friend uh lb and that's a lot you know i feel like that's a lot so yeah uh, we do we do two hours so i so i I do a 30 minute rant every single day. So whatever the day's topic is or whatever the news is, of course, in this day and age, there's tons of political news for me to yell and rant about. So that first 30 minutes, um, sometimes it goes by very fast for me even. I, I feel like I'm of two minds about it because I do the intros to these podcasts and I don't really think much about them until I'm talking. And then I'm like, wow, I filled 10 minutes there. I don't know how that happened. Wasn't planning right. on it. And then other times I can't, you know, I can't even muster up any any kind of enthusiasm for it. So, but you mentioned, you know, going on the TikToks and and uh, having ideas in your head, but what what prompted you to, to do this uh, kind of officially? Was there some... Uh, driving force was it like okay i've had enough i have to do this now were people pressuring you to do it were, were your kids like we need to lock dad in the room and, and, and keep him <laughs> out of here for a couple hours like what what was it that prompted you to to take action like this well you know um i've been called uh given a, a moniker before and some people like it some people hate it they, they call me the the rush limbaugh of the left okay um and i think that's probably motivated me to be and do the show the way that it's done. And the reason why is because I think the left drops the ball in that court a lot where they don't have those daily two, three hour long shows that are improv. Um, you know, a lot of shows are heavily scripted. Um, they're, they're, they're pinched into 15 minutes to 30 minutes to an hour a week. Um, there's just not someone out there pounding the drum every single day for two hours a day unscripted uh, in the way that America would really like to hear it, the way that they think it, the way that they feel it, the way that they they yell and scream at the radio or at the TV in their living room. Um, and I guess that's what inspired me is that it's not so much what you say first in media. It's about how you say it and how you capture your audience and then what you say. And that's why the right wing has done such a great job of brainwashing, I would call it, or being uh, get, getting the masses diluted to their ideas, their backwards kind of thinking. A good example is Donald Trump says something like, well, if they can do it to me, then they can do it to you, which is totally backwards because right. America should feel like, well, if they can put me in prison for that, they definitely should be able to put a former president or any politician for that matter, or anyone in power, they should be able to put them in prison if they could do it to me. That's really the American uh, system of freedom, democracy, and justice. And, and it just seems backwards. So, but the reason why it seems backwards is because Rush Limbaugh is a good example, but Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, uh, Glenn Beck, The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, uh, even the neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes with the American First stuff, all this stuff walks these things backwards into Americans' minds. And it's not about what they're saying first, it's about how they're doing it and how they're getting in front of these people and how they're th these people's ears are hearing this. So my thought was, if I can develop a show that seems like when you're listening to it, it, 
it sounds like right-wing talk radio, but I'm saying the exact opposite. I thought maybe I could get people to really pay attention. And, and we really do. We get our audience stays glued to our program live every single day from the moment the elevator music comes up until the credits roll. You know, my watch time is huge. My audience watches so much of my show. Um, and it's because I don't have many pauses. I don't have much data and polls that I'm trying to shovel to you of why you feel the way you feel. Because I think sometimes that's the other thing the left does is they forget that Americans don't need a bunch of uh, reinforcement to know how they feel. They just know they feel that way. Um, and a lot of times narrative makes them feel that way. And that's the other thing that I think that the right has done so well and I mean well by they've done well to get inside people's minds, but it's right. for it's not for the good of our nation, our constitution, or our diversity or equity or quality. It's the opposite of that. It's it's damaging our democracy, not helping it. And I guess I feel like if I can put my boxing gloves on and get in the ring and fight them where the fight is and where they want to fight, then maybe maybe I can make a difference in the narrative. Well, you're doing a great job. You know, the show's terrific. And again, it's it's hard to do what you do. Um, now you grew up, you're from you're from Missouri, and yeah. you're not from like big city fancy Missouri. You're no. from Lake of the Ozarks. So right. uh, you mentioned Rush Limbaugh and these guys. When you were little, when you were coming up, did you listen to those people and, and sort of model after? Did you have like did you grow up as a Republican and have a have a sort of epiphany moment and be like, what the fuck am I doing kind of thing or no? You know, it's kind of funny because I guess I guess when I was really young before my teenage years, I never really thought about it much. But my mom worked in state government um, and she was a bureaucrat and she she was really close to all the legislative issues. So she would come home and talk about it. And um, so it was kind of in the forefront in our household for a long time. Once I began to understand it, really the moment that changed me and it sounds kind of weird, but when I was a teenager, I, cause I, I grew up on a small little farm um, just, just outside the Lake of the Ozarks. And um, I bought a little bitty 13 inch black and white TV at a garage sale. And what I would do at night is I would stay up at night and do my homework and watch the news. Cause I only got like one channel. Cause you know, you had bunny yeah. ears and that, that was it, you know, and it had the knobs on it, you know, it was an old TV. And um it, I would have the news on and then Nightline with Ted Koppel would come on and then Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher would come on and he would have George Carlin and uh, Larry Flint and he would have all the right wing crazies on there too and people would be debating and yelling back and forth and it really got me thinking about issues and you know that's when I was introduced to like Carlin and several others um, that would speak to these issues so I started watching Carlin and listening to Carlin. And I guess I became cynical, uh, even in my teenage years of, of politics. Um, but throughout the years, I've developed my stances as that liberalism is strength, as I thought more and more about it. Because um, I grew up in rural Missouri, where you didn't have diversity, you didn't it, you didn't see it, right? Like um, a town I grew up in, obviously was racist. It was it was, a very, it was all white, but there was no one to be racist against, right? We. we there just wasn't yeah. anyone there to be racist against. They were all white. So it, it it's it was different when I got in out into the world and I, I went and explored and and it was just different after I went to school and stuff. So yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that's a good point too about it 
how shall I say this, not being people to be racist against? Because I feel like, you know, when people are exposed to other cultures, they become more tolerant of other cultures. And I feel like a lot a lot of the success of the Republicans now trying to spark fear in people is because they talk about groups of people that most people don't have any interaction with at all. You know, I think they used to be really effective about being homophobic and, and having this big, you know, gays are scary, like all that kind of stuff. And now in, in 2023, you know, because people have been out for so long, they can't do that anymore because everyone knows people that are gay. So it, it, it the, the power and the fear factor uh, of the unknown is completely dispelled. So now they have to go to transphobia because a lot of people, you know, don't have exposure to that, to that group. Um, and you know, it's the same thing. If you grow up in a place where there's lots of different, uh, racial groups, you're not going to be racist in the way that you would be when, cause it's easy to, uh, tell you how somebody else is when you don't have any exposure to how those people really are. Right. That right. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, even, um, one step further there folks, you know, going back to the LGBTQ community issue is that, you know, and the trans, um, you know, them demonizing trans people is that not, not only do these folks um, not realize that trans people have been around for a long time is they don't realize that there's trans people amongst them, right? Um, that those people have the reason why, gay lgbtq trans people have been living without you knowing is because of the fear that they have of how society will treat them and how far society will go because i think the issue is right now in our country because everyone says we're divided and i don't actually believe that we're divided I, agree. Um, I, I believe there's a small group of people in this country now it's a large number but it's a small percentage um they're still fighting the culture wars that the rest of society has has put down yeah. Society, we've already done these culture wars. We did this in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s. And we put these aside. Most of Americans have put this aside. Like, you know, I, I don't mind if my neighbor is the is, is in the LGBTQ community. They can love who they want to love. They can marry who they want to marry. They can fly whatever flag they want on their house because I get to do that in my house, too. Like, I, yeah. I get to love who I want to love. And so I think most Americans are past that point. And it's only a certain small percentage of Americans who not only do they did, did they lose these culture wars, but now they're willing to try to do everything they can to stuff the genie back in the bottle. Like you were saying earlier, you know, we're at this point where most people now know these things and it's common knowledge amongst most of our society that, hey, there's there are there are gay people, there are trans yeah. people there, you know, and. And so they moved on past this, but to stuff that genie back in the bottle, it takes more than just convincing society to undo their, what, what they thought, what, the process that they thought through. That's where the legislating comes in. That's where they elect politicians to, to pass laws to eradicate certain groups of people or certain pieces of healthcare. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the people who are fighting against trans people's existence in this country, I would almost imagine that if you 
did a decent poll, which we can't get a decent poll anymore. But if we got a decent poll of those people, they would say things like women shouldn't have the right to vote. Women shouldn't yeah. be in the military. I mean, we see this with Tommy Tuberville. I mean, really, honestly, um, he's doing the whole abortion thing. But the talk is that we don't want women in the military. I mean, that's right. really because if they didn't have women in the military, well, we wouldn't have to talk about abortion. Right. I mean, that's that's I think that's the thought process. And that's they have their foundation in fascism. Um and the problem is, is we've won. We the society have won the culture war. They just don't realize it yet. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And just for people who are unaware, uh, Tuberville, who's the senator from Alabama, um, even though he lives in Florida, um, was a football coach, not even right. a terribly good one. Um, is holding up all of these military promotions uh, because he he wants to revisit the abortion issue, even though he hasn't put forth any legislation that might actually do what he wants. He wants somebody else to do it, so he's. He's making a stand about something that's pretty clearly just an excuse to, you know, throw uh, sugar in the gas tank, as they say. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's what he's up to. And, um, you know, as far as I see it, he he's basically just doing Putin's work for him. I mean, I don't know if he knows that he's doing that. He he might be the useful idiot, but he's he's clearly not operating and working for uh, people who care about the country and, and have our best interests at heart. Says what he's doing is making us all less safe. Everybody, not just Democrats, everybody less safe because of him. So absolutely. Um, well, the other thing about Tuberville, too, that I think you said he's doing Putin's work. The problem is, is he's not doing his work. Like you said, he's yeah. he's not doing the actual work of a senator who would be serious about this issue. That's how you yeah. know he's not actually serious about the issue. I remember when uh, Tommy Tuberville first got elected to the United States Senate in Alabama. So disappointing because I think one of the first statements he made when someone asked him, um, you know, about being in the legislative branch of government and he tried to name the other branches of government and, and tommy tuberville didn't know that there was three branches of government it was um it was no, no, quite just, astounding just, it was quite stunning actually he did that, he did but he got them wrong right well that, that's what it was yeah, yeah yeah yeah. he said executive um senate and congress or something like right that. Mm -hmm. he didn't right he just forgot right. that yeah he had no clue he had no well and, and you know um but this is this is this is the reason why again with my show because you know i believe that to some degree, the right has won a lot of ground and been able to, um, to get a lot of power and hold a lot of power with mm -hmm. the minority ideology. Yes. So what I mean by that is their ideology is very unpopular uh, versus being popular. If you really break it down issue by issue, you know, if you do broad strokes, of course, it, uh, they appear to be they appear to be um, popular. But when you break it down issue by issue, they're not at all. The policies well, or non policies that they have um, would become they would become very unpopular at that point. But they've done this. They've done this um, in a large areas. I mean, like uh, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene. We see Jim Jordan, who this this last week decided he was going to commit obstruction by forming a letter as as the chairman of the oversight committee to Fonnie Willis. And she's like, hey, um, fuck around, find out, because these this is obstruction if you do this, this, this and this. And she get lays it out for him very well, of course, because she's masterful at this and she really is not scared of anyone. Um, and she's proving that time and time again. But these these jokers, these people who are part of the circus are not supposed to be serious policymakers. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gatz, um, Jim Jordan, James Comer. These people are supposed to be on on Fox News or some radio network somewhere where they're talking into a microphone and they don't actually have the the 
the levers of power. Um, and if we get to a more serious timeline, which I don't know how long that will take, we're in kind of a weird timeline now. You know, yeah. um, it's a wild time to be alive, Greg, when you're at the intersection <laughs> of WrestleMania and real life. Um, but that is truly that is truly why I think the left needs a circus is because yes. you have to have that circus to kind of, you know, if you think about the rodeo, there has to be the rodeo clown. So do I consider myself a rodeo clown? Well, I mean, if that fits the bill and that advances democracy, then I'm willing to do that. I think it's great what you're doing. Like, I, I think it's a good idea. Like, I hadn't thought about that before. I hadn't considered that before, that there isn't a left-wing alternative to Rush Limbaugh or or something like that. So, um, and that kind of thing. And I know people have attempted to do networks before. And I think there's a way to do it that's irritating to people. And there's a way to do it that's really just, you know, by irritating, I mean, uh, that turns off too many people by being right. by by what the by what the uh, the right wing people would call super woke or cancel culture or stuff like that. Um, and there's a way to do it that just voices anger and righteous anger. You know, we, like saying stuff like, "Hey, um, people are dying of of you know gunshots all the time. Th- these mass killings in this country all the time." People don't want that. We should be angry about that. We have the right to be right. angry about that. And most people, an overwhelming majority of Americans do not want that. So why is this very small, creepy, weirdo co- uh, coalition led by the people you mentioned uh, allowing this to happen? And what can we do about it? I think there's a lot of cause for that because the regular media, the mainstream media, just both sides the shit out of this stuff. And you Absolutely. can't- and what we can talk about that's a whole other uh, <laughs> topic, but um, I want to hit two quick things that you said yeah. about um, Fonny Willis in her note to Jordan in her in her thing said that he could purchase the book, uh, you know, that explains Georgia Rico law. And she said it's available to you at the non bar member price of whatever it is, two hundred fifty seven dollars. Right. And she said that because he famously could not pass the bar. Right. Right. That's like, a well, well, I mean, obviously, so obviously, Bonnie so Willis, um, she again, she's very masterful in her in her way of saying, don't mess with me because I'm smarter than you th- than you think the black woman I am. Don't underestimate me. Yeah. Which yeah. honestly, they truly they truly have underestimated her this entire mm-hmm. time. Oh, yeah, I think you absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's going to be at their peril. I mean, we mm-hmm. see. um Rich Giuliani, I guess they had a fun. He's the only one they're holding a fundraiser for. He must know more than we think. Um, and I guess 12 people showed up. But, you know, I mean, it's uh, they're really popular, Greg. They're really popular in the country. And also also when you go to Iowa, Iowa State games, you generally get flipped off um, as a person <laughs> and they boo you, too. So these are things that popular people. And, and I think that's the big lie. Right. We've always been told, like, oh, the big lie is Trump selling it to his base that he won and he didn't actually lose. And really the big lie, the biggest lie that he's ever told to this country and this country seems to believe is that he has a huge, massive following. And it's not as big as we, it's not as big as we think it is. It's very actually small. It's just, it's very cult-like. And when you have a cult, they are, they are loyal no matter what is said or what is done to the cult leader. And I've been saying since December that Donald Trump was going to be the nominee. And it and and the mainstream media is finally coming around to it. They've been saying stuff. I've, I've been getting messages like Tony. They're saying on MSNBC and CNN what you've been saying for six months. And I'm like, well, the reason why I've been saying it for six months isn't because I'm some I have some sort of foresight or like crystal ball. I just know how 
the affiliation vote works. Yeah. And I know how cults work and I can see it right in front of my eyes. Yeah. That they're not going to go away from him. They can't go away from it. It's interesting you bring this up because one of the things that's always puzzled me about all of the stuff that's happened in the last seven, eight years is when at the time of the first impeachment. So before you had the show, not the second impeachment, the first impeachment, right? Mm -hmm. Right. right. uh, Which was in 2020 over the Ukraine uh, extortion. um, They had the chance to get rid of this guy. And it was in January of 2020. They could have. Uh, voted him out. And Mike Pence would have been president uh, for, you know, 11 months during as COVID was coming and starting. And, you know, maybe he would have handled that a little better. And maybe he would have beat Joe Biden. Maybe it wouldn't I, have been I Joe think, Biden. I think Mike Pence definitely would have not as been as feckless with the pandemic, Yeah, um, which which could have led him to beat Joe Biden in that moment. Um, but which, yeah. The key thing, this is this is the thing. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they do that? And I've been puzzling over this. And I had Amanda Carpenter on my podcast, I don't know, a while ago now from the Bulwark. And she said they can't. They need his votes. His voters are very specific to him and they cannot win without them. That's so right. to your point, you know, that's it. They, they Of course, right. they're going to nominate him. Well, yeah. and there's there's two things that are built into the Republican Party. And I actually played a clip, uh, speaking of Rush Limbaugh and Colts, of Rush Limbaugh before he before he so sadly uh, took a dirt nap. <clears throat> that's right. Um, it's not global warming. It's the heat from hell. Supercharging. That is right. right. Yeah. That is uh, that could be it through yeah. through his grave. That could be it. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Here's the thing is that he had uh, a clip on his show and he was talking about the, the 2020 election after Trump had lost and the big lie was going on and he was con- and Rush was helping him by continuing the delusion. And Rush said something that made me really understand why Trump was going to win this next nomination. And I actually believe that if there is a chance that he could be the nominee in 2028, he will be. I know that terrifies people for me to even bring that up. We're not even 2024. But this is that how cult it is, because it's not it's not that MAGA is a is a because it is a cult, but MAGA isn't the original cult. The Republican Party is a cult. Okay. Yes. Now, what has happened throughout the years and the transformation that has made is it's always been looking for its cult leader. Um, they they used Ronald Reagan a long time as a placeholder, right? Mm. For for the cult leader, um, they they loved everything that Ronald Reagan didn't do, and they hated everything that he did do. But they said the opposite. But Ronald Reagan was really the placeholder for them until. Donald Trump came along. And the reason why Donald Trump made such an easy cult leader for the Republican Party is because he's such a fraud. Um, and that <laughs> is why. I mean, it's funny. Yeah, but that truly is why. And the reason why is because Donald Trump is the proverbial ta- or he is the dog that the tail wags. Yes. Constantly. Like he is he is never, never, ever had a, a grounding principle, probably in his entire life. And that allows him to let the tail wag him as hard and as fast and as furious as it possibly can. I mean, we see him say wild and crazy things all the time. He doesn't believe any of that shit. He really yeah. doesn't even know what any of that shit is. He probably doesn't even think for that stuff, how, what the consequences of him even saying it are when he says it into a video camera or when he's on a phone with Hugh Hewitt or whatever. He doesn't think about those things in the moment, right? 
And that's why he made such a great cult leader for the Republicans. Now, what the Republicans didn't count on was that he would he would seize power inside the Republican cult and call it MAGA. Right. And and it would become instead of American fascism, it would become Trumpism uh, under his banner. They really underestimated how well he was at stealing other people's ideas and other people's work. I mean, that's what he's been doing his entire life is he puts his name on everyone else's work and calls it his own. And that's what he did with the Republican cult is he took over the cult. He became the cult leader and he put his name on it and took theirs away. And he took their work, the work that they've been doing, Greg, for 30, 40 years to convince people that women uh, shouldn't have choice in their health care, that that uh, people in this country that we don't like, they should be ostracized from society. They're not our, they're not they're not important to us. We can just we can just get rid of them. Uh, you know, all this fascism that has been thin veiled by conservatism for so long in the Republican cult. He finally took their work and made it his own. It's uh, it's great. It's great to um, see that um, our system is vulnerable like this because I think it actually breeds more democracy. But we have to be vigilant um, because the Republican Party is all but dead and we're just dragging around a dead body around our country and around our democracy, because that's really the true story here. The two parties, there's only one party that believes in democracy anymore, and that's Democrats and Republicans want to destroy it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And thank you for saying that about the cult. I hadn't thought about that before in, in that way where, where it's the placeholder thing. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to, sometimes I stop talking and I stare because I'm like, I have to think about that now for, <laughs> for a minute. Right. But this is this is a good time to take a quick break. Yeah, sure. Um, we'll, we'll be right back with Tony Michaels. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler. How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. 
Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. Okay, we're back with Tony Michaels. Uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about, we're talking a little bit about a lot of things. We were talking about the mainstream media. So uh, yeah. it, it's the mainstream media to me, and again, even that term is is sort of misleading. What I really mean by that is not so much the individual journalists and especially the print journalists, but you know the, the broadcast anchors and the editorial boards and the op-ed writers and the pundit class and that kind of thing, the people that kind of shape how hard news gets uh, the narratives behind the hard news, the people that are, you know, seem to want to not report any good news about the economy under Biden, the people that seem to that insist that we need to treat Trump like he's just any other presidential candidate and not a four times indicted, you know, lifelong criminal, that kind of thing. So but it's complicated because there's so many different facets of it. Like the New York Times is infuriating because any given day they have articles that are fantastic that are you know really investigatively wonderful and then complete dog shit in the way that it's spun or some editorial writer does something or uh somebody like david brooks says something so stupid that it just makes you want to shake your fist at a cloud uh like abe simpson so what where are you with mainstream media how frustrated are you by it what do you see what do you see as the main problem and how can we solve it well, I mean, narrative is how you solve these problems. Um, and I, I think it's 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 sad in this country because, you know, a lot of people want to blame a lot of things on the media. And it's it's not necessarily that the media um, wants to do a bad job. It's just that sometimes they're in a position um, where they believe that I can't be biased. You know, you, you, we're non-biased. We, we want to see middle of the road. Well, how are you biased to the truth? Right. Like there is the, stop being stop thinking you're going to be biased towards the truth because the truth is the truth is the truth. You know, there's there's no reason um, to walk away from that. And just because you're telling the truth doesn't mean you're being biased against uh, people other than the liars. I guess a good example would be like um, Ted Cruz going on Fox News for day after day after day, talking about how Joe Biden wants to ban Americans from drinking but only two beers a day, which is absolutely ridiculous. Or, or the ceiling, he wants to ban ceiling fans or gas stoves or whatever. I mean, for years and years, especially when I was a kid, we'd watch on the you know, the nightly news, eggs were bad for you. And then two months later, eggs are good for you. And then it was yeah. like, eggs are bad. And then alcohol's bad. No, no, you got to have a glass of wine every night. And then, and then you'll be healthy, right? These are not policies that the president is setting. <laughs> Joe Biden does not have a beer button on his desk of how many <laughs> beers. And, and I doubt that Joe Biden is concerned with how many beers is the right amount of beers for each American to consume. I, I, I really doubt that that takes up his, his daily time. What these are is these associations. These are associations. These are groups of people who do studies. But they got so entrenched in, and social media has done with this with these people. Again, it's a cult. You got to remember it's a Republican cult in the, the deep state thing, right? So they believe these, they believe these lies, like the ceiling fan or the two beers. And then what happens is, is it gets to their mainstream media. And by there, I mean right wing, Fox News, OAN, Newsmax. 
And then the mainstream media is like, well, maybe this is a story, right? They're like, maybe this is a story. And instead of going, this is a story because Ted Cruz is an idiot and Ted Cruz is a liar. And he's, and again, he's a feckless United States Senator who needs to go to Washington and do his job for his constituents, not, not be a personality on Fox news telling lies about Joe Biden wanting to restrict Americans to two beers. Cause that's not what's going on. Instead of actually doing that story, the way that the media should do that story and exposing Ted Cruz so that Texans can make a decision next time, rather they want to hire a United States Senator who wants to go to Washington to work for them um, with the constitution or just wants to go up there to be an entertainer, right? That's what the media needs to focus on. And the media needs to double down on that truth, right? That Ted Cruz is a worthless, is a worthless, uh, and he's just holding that seat for no apparent reason. I mean, we've seen this in, uh, it was in 20, was it 2020 or 2021 when the great storm again came in Texas and he flew to Cancun because there's a big freeze. I mean, it, these things give themselves um, to the media every single time. And they're horrible at mocking them because they're like, well, you can't mock a United States senator. You know, they're, 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 that's a prominent position, but you can. Yes, you. Absolutely. Yes, you can. When they do these things that aren't helping their constituents. So I think the media, and that's just one example of how the media picks up on lies. And they're like, well, we can't be biased towards, you know, the the right or, or the left. But you can because the right's just lying and your your job is to tell the truth. So I think if the media got in a better position and they're getting there, they're getting there. I get messages every day. Like, again, I say, Tony, MSNBC, they're, uh, they were talking on on Morning Joe this morning. They were saying what you've been saying for two months. And I'm like, well, I don't know if there's producers listening to him or not. But I mean, I, I'm not again, I'm not a fortune teller. I'm just calling things the way that they are because I don't need data or polls to see what's going to happen. Uh, I think average Americans like like me and you sit around the kitchen table and talk about these things. Um, and that's the way that people want them to be talked about, not the way the mainstream media wants to give them uh, polls and data about how smart or how dumb you are on your thoughts and that you should you should think a certain way. So, yeah, um, the Ted Cruz example is is a really good one. So thank you for that. And I think, you know, he's so clearly a, a bonehead. I remember also after the Uvalde massacre, he came out and blamed it on the doors. Remember? Exactly. It's Which the, is that's the same thing. Nobody same thing. reporting on that should have been taking it at face value. They should have said, instead of talking about the cause of this, i.e., the guns, Ted Cruz sought to blame something else, because that's what happened. But right. you know, it makes me wonder how this news media would cover like you know, the Holocaust, if it was World War II now. Horribly, horribly. Yeah, they'd be horribly, like, well, I don't horribly. know, Hitler says, you know, he's a he's right. the chancellor of Germany. We have to, you know, well, we what, have to make what sure is, that- what, what really is the cause of the Holocaust? You know, is is there a second side? You know, that's that's the yeah, stuff they that, would be doing. I mean, I mean, go back to the to Ted Cruz doors for a second. Because yeah. that, that's a that's a really, another really good example. What the media should have been doing. Well, what, here, I'll start with what the media did. The media's like, well, here, here's some data to show you that it's not the doors, right? Well, you don't need data to know that it's not the doors that are causing this problem. I mean, any person that's got a couple brain cells to rub together that aren't just going to listen to whatever someone says to believe them would know that it's not the doors problem. It's not we need to build big fences and make elementary schools into prisons where no one can come in and no one can come out. That's not the that's not the issue. The issue is, is that there's there's high, powerful, 
military style weapons of war running around on the streets where anyone without even money, I mean, the, for instance, the kid in Uvalde paid for those guns and ammo with the credit card. Yeah. He, he, that, he didn't even pay for them. Those guns were free, essentially. They didn't cost him a thing. He just took a piece of plastic in and they gave him his guns to go commit mass murder at a school that he once attended. And Greg Abbott would not have it any other way. Nope. Because that's the laws that they have in the state, and he wants and he encourages that. And and when Ted Cruz blames it on the doors, the media, instead of going, Ted Cruz is a wild, nasty piece of garbage for even suggesting that it's the doors. Um, they, they go, well, here's why Ted Cruz um, might be wrong, but here's why he might be right. You know, they're leaving, yeah. they always leave this door open that, well, the data says this but like come on we don't need data to know that's a dumb argument but you know um again the media the media wants to appear to be down the middle down the middle and there is no down the middle with the truth and that's yeah. the problem and there's no down the middle with the fascism either i mean you made this right. point before there right now and for some time there's only been one functional political party in this country Functional meaning willing to govern and not just sitting on their ass, obstructing every goddamn thing that everybody tries to do. That party is the Democrats. You know, they, they make mistakes. Sure, the Democrats we don't like. Absolutely. But they're at least trying to get shit done. And the Republicans just stymie everything. That's their entire governing principle is um, we're going to talk dumb shit about dumb shit and we're not going to do a damn thing about anything as everything collapses around us. It's by design. They're fully in cahoots with all of the dictatorial uh, countries of this world. And I think it's pretty obvious to see at this point. Um, what worries me is heading into next year in the election cycle. I think I agree with you. I think Trump will either be the nominee or he will run third party, um, which is actually what we that's what we're hoping for, because that'll really ensure the Biden victory. But uh, he's not not running because to not run means he can't claim he's running and therefore they can't prosecute him and he can't fundraise. So he's definitely going to run and he's going to make more money than these other people. But the the prevailing narrative about Biden that's out there in the ether, and I'm not talking about necessarily on the right wing media, just normal people that I've talked to who just don't necessarily pay attention to things, is that Biden is too old and he's corrupt He's horribly corrupt. He's the most corrupt president. His son is corrupt. And the country's in terrible, terrible shape now. And what are we going to do? And therefore, you know, both sides are the same. They're both awful. I've heard this narrative from people in my circle um, who don't, you know, know me in my capacity as a person who does this stuff. Um, and it's concerning to me because it means that their bullshit propaganda is working. Have you seen this at all in your uh you know, interactions with people out in the wild or is well, this just I, me? I live, I live in Trump country. Yeah. So the, the town that I grew up in was all sympathies. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it happens, but here, here's, here's the thing is that, that I want everyone to understand and realize is that, um, and, and, and this is very controversial for me to say this and no one is going to want to hear this just like they're like, Oh, who is this guy who claims to be the Rush Limbaugh, the left? Now he's going to use the word propaganda. Remember when I said earlier that you have to put on your boxing gloves and get in the boxing ring? Yep. Um, so they're very effective at propaganda. The right is very good at it. Um, they've studied it. They've done it. They've, they've built an entire infrastructure to deploy it on America. 
And one thing that they did in the background uh, in the 2016 election and the lead up to 2020, and they're doing now, because they're going to try to steal this next election with yeah. propaganda. They're going to try to steal it. Um, it it's going to happen. Trump is likely and Trump allies are likely to ki- commit more felonies trying to steal this next election. Um, and that is my prediction. But we can't stand back and let their propaganda ruin our country. What we have to do is we have to counter with our own propaganda, a pro-democracy propaganda. And I know that's not a lot of people like, oh, my God, what do you mean? The left doesn't. Oh, my God. Propaganda is a bad word. Well, let me tell you something. What else is a bad word? Our Constitution being ripped up and shit on because we want some feckless leader like Donald Trump to be our king because he's too soft to know he lost. I mean, listen. There is a a very real reality around the corner if we don't realize that fascism is at our door knocking and democracy will be the victim. And if we don't realize that and we don't use what we have in our national messaging and narrative um, together as the pro-democracy coalition, whether it be left-wing groups, whether it be um, you know the the far democratic socialist left, like Bernie Sanders supporters, or or even moderates who like the Lincoln Project, right? We all have one thing, one strand in common with those groups is that we don't want democracy to die. Yeah. And if we stay focused on what the threat, and I hate to say that we're fear mongering. But let me tell you something. There is a true fear out there that democracy will be at its demise if we don't do something and we don't do something now in this moment. Um, The 2020 election was the most important election of our lifetime. And then the 2022 midterm was. Now the 2024 election is the most important election of our lifetime. And let me tell you something. They're not going to stop after 2024 when Trump, because here's my prediction, is that Trump becomes the nominee. He wins Iowa. He wins New Hampshire. It's pretty much in the bag. When he goes to March 4th, which he won't go to court March 4th. I know a lot of people think that he's going to be in federal court that day. They will punt that date. It always happens in federal court. You can you can bet on it. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It will punt to probably sometime in the later spring or summer. Uh, Chetkin will change that date for whatever reason. It'll be a legitimate reason, but she will change it. And he'll go into Super Tuesday and he will sweep super tuesday and it will be over and a lot of people fail to realize what the republican primary process is donald trump there is no way to challenge him if he walks into the republican national convention in july and he has enough delegates to win on the first ballot he is not going to be anything but the nominee it doesn't matter how many how many felonies he's charged with it doesn't matter if tish james takes away his entire organization they put it in receivership it doesn't matter if he, he if he ends up in a in a criminal court in south florida or dc or a criminal court in georgia if he ends up being indicted in arizona for the same things that he's being indicted for georgia for because they were obviously deploring that same method in arizona so does it it doesn't matter and that's why another reason why the media is going to get this wrong is why americans have to get this right is because everyone's going to be so focused on what the court dates are, what the motions are, who the judges are, what are the judges, what are the prosecutors saying that they're going to lose sight, one sight of one thing. We are Trump's jury. We are the people. We are the government. And in November of 2024, we get to be his jury. We get to cast our ballot on that jury. 
to tell him not just no, but hell no, you don't get to touch our country again. And there's all sorts of reasons that it could be, but we just have to give enough reason to enough people to believe that it doesn't matter what those other juries say, the other judges, the other prosecutors, we are Trump's jury in 2024. Yeah, well said, well said. I, I I should stand up and cheer. Oh, yeah, I, sure. I, I, yeah. Agree, I, I agree with your timeline. And I agree with all of it. And I'll add, even if he's in prison, he can still run. Absolutely. There's nothing that prevents him. And and honestly, I'm all for it. I, I don't think anybody in this country should be deprived of the right to vote or to run or any of that stuff, regardless of whether or not they're in prison. I think it's I think it's awful that prisoners don't allow to vote. However, I, I don't know, Tony, have you discounted already the amazing charismatic governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. He seems so popular. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was a joke. So, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you something. It is. I, it, it is <laughs> he, he is a joke. So I'll tell you that that's another prediction of mine that came true. Um, you know, again, I, I didn't have to go far to see it. You just, if you, if you put, if you put Ron DeSantis in the Scott Walker box, for anyone who knows the the story of Scott Walker, if you put Ron DeSantis in the Scott Walker box, you realized how bad he was going to be in Iowa and that his entire stake of claim was going to be in Iowa and he was going to lose there. And he couldn't gain, if you can't gain popularity out of Iowa, you're going to Scott Walker yourself. The other thing that Ron DeSantis um, really overestimated is he thought that his uh, go woke, go broke thing would sell around the country. And again, this country is not divided. It is a very small percentage of the population who buy into that nonsense that somehow because you are for equity and equality or you're for diversity or or you just want people to have the same amount of rights as everyone else, that somehow you're woke or something. It's really ridiculous. And he he overestimated that. But I, I will say that I told Ron DeSantis, because I actually think he had a shot. There was a one moment, one flash in the pan. And if you rewind back all the way to Trump's first criminal indictment in Manhattan, what Ron DeSantis should have done is he should have gotten out in front of a microphone that the moment Trump was indicted, took away all the oxygen, stole away everything from Trump in that moment. And what he should have done, and I told him this several times on my show in the lead up to it, that what he should have done is resigned as governor in front of a microphone, announced that he's going to run for president now that Trump's indicted and he can't win. And that's what Ron DeSantis should have done. And he should have dropped the the woke stuff. He should have stopped being the governor because really what he's doing is showing the world that he can't be president by running for president. Like he's <laughs> like, like literally he's he's yeah. doing the exact yeah. opposite of what he wants to do by doing the thing for running for president. So Ron DeSantis was a complete failure in the beginning because he 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 was pretending to be the governor of Florida while pretending to run for president because you're not really sure which one he is. Yeah, that's a good point. And but he lacks the political instincts to do anything like that. The only the only Republican and I made I, I talked to my son who's uh, he's 18 now. He's going to be uh, 19 when the when the election rolls around mm-hmm. next year. Um, you know, back when when the indictments happened and early on, I said, Liz Cheney's going to be the the Republican nominee against oh, Biden no. because because uh, I thought 
that's the only hope that they have. The only way that they're going to, you know, eventually I, I said to myself wrongly, as it turned out, uh, they're <laughs> going to, they're going to realize that this guy's a fucking loser and an albatross. And they, they have to find somebody who's not totally infected with his taint. He's like a skunk. That's they all stink of it and it will never wash off them. Any of them that, that did time, the only uh, Republicans that, you know, that had any kind of thing were the ones that served on that committee or were involved with it in some way. And Liz Cheney being the preeminent one. And instead of embracing her and going into that fold, which, by the way, Liz Cheney against Joe Biden. I, that's I well, you know, so let's talk about that for a second, because I call Liz Cheney Darth Vader Jr. because I see Dick Cheney as as Darth yeah, Vader. Right? I get it. <laughs> like and, 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 it, and it is hard for me to uh, sit and agree and be like, yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with Dick Cheney. Like that feels really gross. Like I want to take a shower type kind of gross. Um, but I'll tell you that Liz Cheney and Dick Cheney are no savers of our democracy. They yeah. just they just they Trump stole away all their ability for power, and that's what yeah. they really hate about him. Right? That's what they despise about him the most is that this buffoon could could manipulate their uneducated delusional base into a position where they lost all the power in their party but you could see it clearly coming from a mile away if you if you knew who their party was made up of and how they relied so heavily on affiliation and how education is shit in red america i mean really our education system is bad in this country but it's really bad because red america is really bad at it um they're just horrible at it they don't understand how important it is but that's where we're at but go forward to now, right? This moment that we're in now, there is one Republican that is running for president that I believe could probably beat Joe Biden. Please and, don't and say Vivek. Please don't say no, 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 no. Okay, no. Chris Christie. Chris Christie, I believe, would give Joe Biden a run for his money. I really do believe that. If, now, here's the good news about this: is that the, the lowest percent. No one likes him at all in any demographic. Right? Exactly. The, the Republican Party will not nominate Chris Christie. Chris Christie only has one chance, only one shot as Eminem says. Meteor? Well, no, well, he he has a chance to be number two in New Hampshire. If he is number two in New because Trump will be number one. If he's number two in New Hampshire, it may, it may send a message to these other primary voters. I highly doubt it. I doubt that they're going to vote with Christie. And the reason why is because there's a built-in incumbency with Trump for two reasons. Number one, he is the former president. He was their, their savior, their Mussolini mango Jesus, right? But also he has this incumbency built in because he has a large portion of these people believing that he never lost. Yeah. And, and that incumbency is important because incumbency doesn't always mean you're just holding office. It's just who they, who the masses want you to to be the leader so chris christie in a general matchup if we had to choose a general matchup today we didn't have to go through the primary process and me and greg could just say well joe biden's going to be against chris, against chris christie i believe chris christie has a fighting chance he really does he has a fighting chance not only is he a really good retail politician but he he is able to punch on trump like no one else can punch on trump which would sell throughout the country because people are tired of him. People like yeah. to watch him be punched on. Um, so Chris Christie would definitely do well among uh, Republicans, not non-Trump Republicans, the moderates, the independents, and even some Democrats, and really even some leftists who don't like Joe Biden. 
would vote yeah. against Chris Christie just to get at Joe Biden, right? I mean, it's a crazy thing in this country, but what Americans need to understand is we vote against things. We vote against things. And that's why I believe Chris Christie could win because they could vote against Biden. But we're not going to have that. The matchup nope. is going to be Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And what we have to get America to understand, those people who like to vote against things, is what they need to vote against. That is yes. the main narrative, the main messaging. So like on my show, my audience very rarely hears me talk about Biden. Like I don't even hardly say his name, maybe two, three times a week. And I'm on the air two hours a day, right? Yeah. every single day. And I maybe say Biden's name two or three. I've said it more on this show than I would in a week <laughs> on my show. Okay. And the reason why is because the narrative, because I know Americans vote against things, um, and that's just the nature of America. It's the don't tread on me. Don't tell me what to do. You know that America's the greatest ever. And if you say anything different, I'll kick your ass. That kind of attitude. Right. USA. USA. Right. Exactly. USA. Okay. Exactly. Well, well, George George W. Bush, you remember the moment when George W. Bush became popular when he stood on the rebel at 9-11 yep. and he said, we will come over there and we will we will find you and we will get you. You yeah. cannot hide. You cannot run and you cannot hide. And he said, we will come and get you. And America went, yeah, let's go get them some bitches. Right. Like that's the feeling we're, we're we now have an enemy and we're going to come get you. Well, that's the American attitude. It has been for a long time. It has been since the re before the revolution, really. And because of that, if we know that and we know that's the narrative we have to set, then we know the goal. Right. In 2020, the goal was don't vote for Trump. Look how much he screwed up the pandemic. Look how much he fucked up the economy. Look how crazy it's gotten. Right. That was the sell. And it worked. It worked by eight million, almost eight million votes. Yeah. And I actually believe with Gen Z and the coming of a new electorate in this country that we will actually get in a position where Joe Biden can win by more than 10 million when America goes and votes against Trump. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, now we're coming up on time. So I have one more yeah. question I want to ask before yeah. we uh, before we bid adieu. Um you're from Missouri. I remember when I was in high school learning that Missouri was the bellwether of of the popular vote in the United States mm -hmm. in terms of presidential elections. Wherever and, it swings, yeah. the, the popular vote will swing. It has since seems like it's gone kind of red. So, like, give us a snapshot of Missouri. What's going on there? What's the deal with Josh Hawley? Is he popular? Like, what's going on? Here's what I'll tell you is that Missouri is um, not unlike any of the other what you would say red states um, where, again, the minority of power has really rigged the system in the state. Uh, I mean, to give an example, a governor by Jay Nixon, he was a Democrat, but most Democrats or liberals in the state really didn't view him as a liberal. Um, he was a conservative, but Jay Nixon was dealing with a supermajority. I mean, the Missouri legislature has been a, a, a supermajority since, you know, almost the late 90s. So there's not much that Republicans haven't been able to do in Missouri. And when you have the, the state constitution at your at your whim and state laws at your whim, you can little by little by little by little undo any kind of uh, liberal type freedom that is built into your state. And when you have a party with unchecked power in these states like that, they get redder and redder. And the reason why is because they're using those levers of power to make sure their power remains. I mean, 
It's the same thing with Mitch McConnell that we see right now. I mean, Mitch McConnell can't even stand in front of a microphone without glitching, um, which is which is kind of sad. Um, but at the same time, this is the anti-Trump part of the Republican Party, and this is who they're relying on uh, to do it. But Mitch McConnell has, oh, he's in there for power, and he's going to keep Republican power, and he's going to continue his his mission of Republican power, no matter what. I mean, you remember his number one objective was to make Barack Obama one-term president, which he didn't accomplish. But he did accomplish of rigging our Supreme Court. Yes, he and he used Donald Trump as a tool to do that. And I want I want people to understand that a lot of these red states like Missouri or, or any of these others, even though Missouri used to be purple, um, these Republicans are using anything at their disposal for their own power. It's not for the constituents. It's not for the betterment or the progression of society or making their state better. That's why it feels like all the stuff is own the libs, but it really is for their own their own power. Mitch McConnell hates Trump. Yeah, he would he would rather Trump go away and never come back ever again, and he would be happy. But he was willing to do a deal with the devil because it meant advancing his own power. And that's the deal that they've done. And I called to the left to do the same deal. And what I mean by that is a lot of people think it's sidious. But what I mean by that is we should be able to we should use democracy in a way to defend democracy. They are using democracies in these states to destroy it. And we should use democracy to defend it. And that's what's happening in some of these states is they take power and they hold power for so long and they change things. Like in Tennessee, we see Tennessee. Oh, my God, democracy is dying in Tennessee. And the reason why is because Republicans are using the power that they have to get rid of the other party's power um, so that they get rough. They can run roughshod all over the state. So it's not that there's that there's not parts of the state who don't believe in liberal ideas. Hell, there's people in parts of the state who believe in liberal ideas that vote for the fascists. I'll give you a really good example here in Missouri um, before we go. Uh, The last election in 2022, there was a Senate election on the ballot and there was recreational marijuana on the ballot. And everyone in the state, the majority of people in the state voted in favor of recreational marijuana. And then they voted for what at the time was our attorney general, Eric Schmidt, who was one of the most anti-marijuana politicians that we have in the state. And we sent him to the United States Senate. These two things do not compute. They yeah. do not compute that the state went to the ballot and said, yes, we want recreational marijuana and then sent one of the most anti-marijuana politicians to the United States Senate, gave him one of two seats in Missouri of the most deliberative body, as they used to call it. Now, one of the most uh, undeliberative bodies yeah. um, seeing the Tuberville. But that's the thinking. That's the problem is people aren't really paying attention. And the reason why they're not is because they're not giving sent the right message, whether it through the media or through the right wing talking heads. They're not being given the narrative because they don't believe polls. They don't believe data. Um, they, they very rarely believe the elites. Um, because that and the experts, that's just what's happened uh, to our society, rightly or wrongly. And until we understand those things and we move in that direction to have democracy, save democracy, they're going to still continue to use it to kill it. Well, we appreciate you um, going out on your bully pulpit every day and, uh, you know, 
changing the narrative and putting forth the, the proper narrative. I think it's it's really important work that you're doing. And uh, I, you know, I I, I put a, I generate a lot of content, but I'm I'm sort of in awe of the amount of content that you generate. So good on you. Um, tell everybody where they can find you. Just go to thetonymichaels.com. That's thetonymichaels.com. And you Only can search T-T-H-E, me on the- not T-H-E-E. That's right. Well, it sounds weird when I say the Tony Michaels, you know, I, I, I really sound like a hillbilly when I say <laughs> the, because I, I really is, I really is a hillbilly, Greg. That's, <laughs> that's what I is. That's what I've always has been is a hillbilly, you know, and, and that's, uh, and, and it's not just a stick, stick. I, I am from the hills of, of Missouri. I grew up on a farm. This is really my accent and how I talk. A lot of people are like, where are you from? Um, they gets confused. They're like, are you from the South? I'm like, no, 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 no. Missouri. And they're like, you're, if you're on the Midwest, I'm like, no, no, Missouri is the redheaded stepchild of the Midwest and the South. Like we're not actually Southern. We're not really, I mean, we want to be Midwestern. Some days we want to be Southern. It's really weird. We don't, we don't really, um, but we are, we are the show me state. So if you come here and we'll show you that we're not either the South or the Midwest, but um, it, it's, it's a position that I'm happy to be in, even if people don't think so or not, to be the rushland ball, the left that some have called me, uh, because I actually believe that we can set a narrative. If, if we get people to pound the drum every single day and get the right narrative out there and get people to understand why, why our democracy is in peril. So go to thetonymichaels.com. That's T-H-E-T-O-N-Y-M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S. Dot com. That's thetonymichaels.com. You can find me everywhere. Or you can just search the Tony Michaels podcast on Google and you'll you'll find it. It's it's everywhere. And confirm. It is it is easy to find. It's easy it to is. find. It is. Um, so this has been great. Thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you uh, hanging out with me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fossett. Serena Zabriskie, Marie Cast, and Martha Acuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kenai Williams, Kimberly Johnson, and everyone else at MSW Media. If you'd like to support this program, get three friends to subscribe. The more downloads I get, the better the show does. You can also subscribe to The 5-8, the live YouTube show I do with my friend Stephanie Koff, a.k.a. LB. Tune in tonight for your Friday night hang. Most importantly, please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $6 monthly or $55 yearly subscription funds my work on the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Be kind to each other. Try and enjoy yourself. And until next time, we shall prevail. M-S-W-Media.